and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, Pastor David begins a new series on the big three, faith, hope, and love, as we start taking a look at hope. Let's listen. Well, today we begin our brand new sermon series titled The Big Three, which you've been hearing about, because there are three foundational characteristics of what it means to be a Christian. Yes, there are three qualities that every Christian should have. If you've ever wondered, how do I grow closer to God? It's one of these three qualities that will help you get there. Is that enough buildup for you? Well, what are these qualities and where do we get them from? We are going to look at uh, the Apostle Paul and what he says at the end of that famous love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. Here's how Paul summarizes that whole chapter. Paul says three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Yes, three foundational, essential, absolutely necessary qualities of being a Christian are faith, hope, and love. And did you notice that Paul says these things will last forever? which means they'll always be a part of you. You can continue through this life into the next, growing and developing these qualities in your life. And I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret. The closer you get with God, and the more you commune with your Creator, the more these qualities will naturally develop in your life. Faith, hope, and love. As Christians, we want to be hope-filled people. We want to be faithful people. We want to be loving people. And that's what this series is all about. So we're going to spend two weeks on each of these topics. So a total of six weeks. Today is hope, and next will be hope. Then we'll move into faith, and then we'll move into love. So let's start with hope. How do we grow and develop the quality of hope in our lives. Well, let's start with the definition. What is hope? If someone came to you and said, you know, what really is hope? How would you reply? Well, here's a definition that I like. Hope is a desire for a certain thing to happen in the future. So hope is future-oriented. When you think about the future, there are certain things that you hope will have happen, or maybe that you hope will not happen. I'll give you a couple of examples. I hope that I will remain relatively healthy over the course of my life. Or more immediate, I hope that my daughters will have a good day of school tomorrow. I hope that unity will continue to be a welcoming and loving place. All of these are hopes that I have, and you can see they're all future-oriented. They're thinking about a type of future that I hope becomes a reality. So we're talking about hope, but what I want us to be aware of is that we're not talking just about our individual hopes today, but we're talking about Christian hope, and that's going to be a little bit different. So in order to aid our study and discussion, we're going to study one of the famous psalms on hope. It is Psalm 42. And I bet most of you will recognize how this psalm begins. 
written. So we'll start with just the opening verse here, Psalm 42, verse 1. It says this, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. All right, now I know when you read that, your mind probably automatically starts humming that famous hymn that we've sung many, many times, and that's great. But don't let it distract you from getting to the the meaning of why the psalmist is using this analogy. Why is the psalmist comparing our need for God to a deer's need for water? Well, let's, let's break it down for a second. Okay, deer need water to remain alive, right? And they often know where to go for water. They'll return to the same place over and over again, night after night. They know where the streams are. They know where the ponds are. And so the psalmist is implying that with the deer panting for water, that the stream must be dried up. The the water supply is no longer accessible. The place the deer knew where to go for water is for some reason not working any longer. So the deer pants for streams of water. The deer pants with thirst. We all know that animals depend on water, just like us, for their lives. But unlike us, they can't just turn on a water fountain and get the water they need. Uh, In my backyard, I've got a stream bed that for a lot of the time um, doesn't really have water coming through it, but every time it rains, that's when the water rushes through it and the animals know this. I decided to set up one of those little wildlife cameras right there on one of the trees because I was really curious what animals come to this water source. Well, what I found out quite excitedly is that a whole bunch of animals right in my backyard will come to that water source. And so indulge me for a second. Uh, My wife laughs at me because I get so into this, checking, okay, what animals came this week? But let me show you just a couple of the animals that I find in my backyard, starting with a baby deer. Let's show that video. Isn't that cute? Now you might be thinking, okay, deer, yeah, we see deer all the time. But what about this next video? Foxes. That's pretty neat, right? So I could go on and on showing you possums, raccoons, a heron, all sorts of animals. But the point being, they return to this site over and over because they know where to go for water. They rely on water for their life. And in this analogy, in the same way that a deer pants for streams of water, so we pant, need thirst, and desire a relationship with God. That's really what this analogy is trying to to get us to understand, is that at our foundation, we all have an absolute extreme need for God. God envelops and sustains our very life and existence. Okay, So that's how the psalm begins, by by just putting out there our universal need for God. 
But then the psalmist talks about those particular times in your life where you really feel that need. I mean, the need's there all the time. We always need God, but there are certain times, particularly the hard times of life, where you feel that need. So here's verse 2 and 3. Yes, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? Well, the author of the psalm finds himself in a really tough place in life. I'm sure we can all identify with that. Uh, There are seasons of life that are just down seasons, where we end up, you know, going through tragedy or sickness, and something in your life is, is not right. And in a poetic way, I mean, the psalmist says, my tears have become my food day and night. I bet you can relate to that. Hopefully not on a day-to-day level of existence. There have been times in your life where you say, yeah, yeah, my tears have become like my food. Well, maybe you're not a crier. I mean, I would not put myself in that category, but I can still identify with the, the sentiment that the psalmist is getting across here, where there are those seasons where the challenges feel all-encompassing to your life. Now, when that happens in your life, chances are you have a supportive community to go to. You've got your family or your friends, someone that when you're feeling down, you can say, hey, I need help here. The psalmist is saying he does not have that. But instead, the community around him is actively taunting him. They're saying, where is your God? Yes, he's in a community right now where they know that he's a follower of God. And yet they see him in his tough stage of life and they're just wondering, well, where's God now? Is God going to show up for you? Because I don't see God in your life. As people of faith, what is our response to those tough seasons of life? When you deal with an illness, when tragedy strikes, when you're in the throes of depression, as people of faith, how do we respond to those moments? Here is the psalmist's answer. It says, why, my soul, are you downcast? He's talking to himself now. Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So what is the Christian response to pain and sadness? Hope. Truly, it is hope. And I say this completely seriously. Uh, We do not mean hope in a trite-sounding way. This is not a naive or idealistic version of hope that we're talking about here. No, instead, this is a hope that is rooted in the belief that with God, there is always a reason to have hope. This is a hope that understands that with God, there's always the possibility, if not the probability, of a brighter future. That's the type of hope that we're talking about here. And that's the type of hope that the psalmist is talking about when he's going through some of his darkest days. Put your hope in God. Now, I want to really 
get deep into this word hope. Because we use it all the time. And we hope for sometimes silly things. I hope my team wins today. We're talking about a different type of hope here. Remember, this is the Christian hope. And so let's look at this word hope in the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, and the word that's used here for hope is yakal. And yakal actually is translated in two different ways, uh, which you can see on the screen, hope and wait. Now that might surprise you. You might think, okay, why does this one word in Hebrew, yakal, why is it translated as both hope and wait? I mean, what do those two words have to do with each other in English. So I did some digging because I was curious. And the word you call is used 40 times in the Old Testament. 16 times it's translated as hope like it is in our passage today in Psalm 42. 24 times it is translated as wait. Why would the Hebrew language use one word to mean both things? Well, let me ask you this. Do you hope for something that you already have? You don't, right? As we talked about earlier, hope is future-oriented. We hope for a certain type of future. We hope for certain things to happen in the future. Hope is always looking ahead into the future. So therefore, hoping and waiting are closely related because you must wait for the things that you are hoping for. They're so closely related that the Hebrew language simply has one word that means both things. The question then for us today is in what state are you waiting? As you look to that future, which is an unknown future, and there's uncertainty, and maybe you're in a hard time right now, and you're looking to the future, in what state of being are you waiting? Do you wait with anxiousness in your heart? When you think of the future, are you waiting and feeling stressed as you wait and wonder about what the future might hold? Or do we wait in the hope-filled belief that the future is going to be okay because God is a part of the future? That's what the Christian hope means. That that hope is the profound recognition that the future is going to be okay because God is a part of the future. And it's okay that we don't know what the future will hold, but we will wait with quiet confidence because we know it's going to be okay. Now, I know that that is probably easy to say as you sit in church today particularly if your life is, is going okay right now. If you're, if you're in one of the good seasons of life, it, it's okay to say, yes, I can hope in God. But what about when you go home and you're in one of these sticky situations? When you're having that tough time of your life, it's not as easy to hope, is it? Well, in the middle of the crisis, the psalmist speaks to, to how we can still develop hope in our lives. And And the psalmist kind of talks about accessing hope in those tough times in a really poetic way. I mean, I think these psalms really are poems, and and so they they illustrate the the challenges of life 
in poetic ways. And, and so I want to focus on, next, on this next verse as how to access this hope in tough times. Here's how the psalmist puts it. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. Now, I bet that doesn't make a lot of sense right away, because again, it's very poetic, right? And so, instead of just trying to explain it, I want to give you a, a picture to imagine. I want you to imagine the last time you were at the beach, and you're looking out at the vastness of the ocean. Can you, can you picture that in your minds? And maybe you step up to the edge of the waves where they lap just against your toes and think, should I wade any deeper? But when the waves lap against you, you realize that water is cold. It sends shivers up me. Maybe it's that season where, ooh, that ocean is cold. And so for the majority of us, we would just stand right there, content to looking out at the beautiful ocean. But what if you took another step? What if you went a little bit deeper and the cold, frigid water begins to lap up to your ankles and you decide to go even deeper? You take another step and the waves then start coming up even to your knees. Can you imagine how that feels? And you go deeper and it comes all the way up to your waist. I'm sure you've done this before. What happens if you decide to go even deeper? To that point, eventually, you'll get to the point where the waves are breaking on top of you. If you've ever felt the power of a wave breaking on you, you know how powerful that can feel and how then in control you really are in that moment. If you've ever been knocked down by a wave, and you find yourself just swirling in the ocean, you recognize how out of control you are. That's what I see when I look at this picture. See, this, this looks like an angry ocean right now. And I want you to imagine just being swirled by those waves and kind of out of control. In a poetic way, this state of being is what the psalmist is trying to describe as those challenges of your life. Because don't the challenges of life feel like you're just being hit by a wave over and over again? Don't the challenges of life feel like, hey, I'm on my own, and, you know, I I don't feel in control any longer? In a poetic way, isn't that how this all feels? I love that he makes the point that the roar of the ocean is as loud as the smashing of a waterfall. Can you picture this scene and how overwhelming that must be? But right at the beginning of that line, he just has a couple words. He says, but deep calls to deep. What does that mean? Deep calls to deep. Well, I believe what he's saying is that the deep challenges of life require a deep communion with God. Deep calls to deep. Yes, it's when the depth of one's soul cries out and experiences the depth of God's love. Deep calls to deep. When you are in the heart of the ocean being pounded by waves, a superficial faith will never survive. But when you're in those moments and you decide to look inward, 
to dig deep within you, what you will find is the presence of God. Because God is with you even in those challenges. And what I hope then that the presence of God leads you to is hope. Christian hope. That even in that moment, in the lowest low, it's going to be okay. Because God is there. And God gives you the confidence of a brighter future. A hope with God. That's truly what the psalmist is trying to explain here in this poetic way. And so when you're in those tough times, remind yourself of that simple phrase, deep calls to deep. And then conjure that deep faith that's needed, that grit that's needed to get you through that stage of life. Okay, I want to now read the end of the psalm all at once, because we we basically studied the first half of the psalm, and then the psalm kind of repeats itself. You're going to notice the same themes and the same patterns. And so I want to read that all together as a bit of our kind of conclusion so you can see where the psalmist is headed here. But the psalmist goes on to say, By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning? oppressed by the enemy. My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And that's how the psalm ends. Your takeaway for today is going to be three simple words. Hope in God. Hope in God. That is the point of this psalm. And that can be our takeaway for today. Hope in God. Which means that in every season of life, that's an active thing you can do. You can hope. As you look towards the future, and it's an uncertain future, you can wait in hopefulness. Hope in God. It is my belief that Christians should be some of the most optimistic people in the world as we look towards the future because we are the most hopeful people in the world. As hard as times get individually or as a world, as Christians, we can be hope-filled people. Realistic, not idealistic, realistic hope because God is still here. God is still active, and God controls the future just like God controls the present. And so hope in God. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.